From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to a recent survey, nearly 30% of Americans are hesitant to invest in Bitcoin because they do not understand cryptocurrency. And another 30% are hesitant to invest because they do. Hmm. Mm. Good one. Yeah, yeah. Crypto really took it in the pants the other day. Yeah, a little something for you fiat truthers out there. <laughs> wow. I wish wow. I knew what that Google meant. Google it, folks. I wish I no. knew what that meant. No, Make him stop. Stop. We got zillions of reactions to the whole Nazi flag teacher thing. Just very briefly, I like this um, This email from Al Anonymous, who is 19 years old. We went over WW2 and propaganda in my high school. Very similar situation. Fusion between English and history. A senior seminar on, uh, on uh, I didn't propaganda. Have, I didn't have something like that. I would have loved that class. Uh, this is a good thing that somebody felt uncomfortable. That's what you want students to feel. Because the Nazi regime was highly persuasive, ruthless, and evil. If you're a kid in class and you don't feel even mild discomfort when it comes to the symbolism of the Third Reich, then you need to be looked at psychologically. And if you can't afford that, you need to find God. If kids in that class didn't express discomfort toward this subject, as a teacher, then I'd think the school system has failed and failed these kids. And I would take it in my, as my duty to install with them, instill within them, rather, a proper sense of dread toward Nazism. But for the school district to act in this way means they don't care about academic integrity. They don't care about the education of their pupils. This scares me, and I'm one year out of high school. That's pretty funny. Yeah, Thank you, you for the note, You my should lab. be a little uncomfortable by Nazism. The, the kid who walks down the hallway and says, all right, Nazi flag, cool. I knew that about Mr. Jones. Now I'm in my comfort zone. Thumbs that, up. <laughs> thumbs up. That's the kid you need to worry about. Yeah, five stars out of five for the Nazi flag, Mr. Jones. <laughs> right. And then one final, final, final thought. For a generation that calls everybody a freaking Nazi, you don't want to learn about it? What you're talking about? Yeah. Well, that anyway. Sean was making that argument over the air, the air that uh, there are a lot of people that want to investigate January 6th and to what extent that is the beginning of, you know, what happened in the, the early 30s in Nazi Germany and that sort of thing. 
but you don't want to study? You go to pieces at the site of a swastika? We got this text I thought was really good. Students need to learn that what happened in the land of Beethoven and Goff can happen anywhere, and that we need to understand why it happened in order to prevent it, or how it happened. And I didn't catch it the first Not time. Not goth girls wearing black eyeshadow and listening to punk music. The great philosopher Goethe. Yeah, I didn't catch the what the point was the first time you said it until you mentioned it uh, off the air. But it's the, that high society, the, the this culture that produced these great minds, somehow deteriorated, uh, as we all know. Which was a point I believe I made yesterday. You need to study that in detail. Germany was not a bunch of cavemen. It was an advanced society. It was, in, in many ways, the most advanced society in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, our educational system in the United States is terribly, terribly sick. Goth Diseased. wrote the Faust stuff. I can't read it. I've tried. It's just it's too smart for me. Or too German. Or too the, German for me. The Germans, they do have some odd tendencies. How about a little transition music, Michael? Transition music. I've never heard this one. It's making me forget what we were talking about, which is the point. <laughs> All right. The merry-go-round just keeps speeding up. <laughs> Great. Is, is that the tunnel scene from Willy Wonka? <laughs> Going faster! <laughs> that, uh, that gave me dread. It did. I, <laughs> my, 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 the back of my neck is sweating. I feel like I'm about to get knifed by a clown. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> That so it was a nightmare. Oh my god. Mannequins are walking. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <Play it> again, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> That's right. That's too much. Too right. much. Make it stop again. If somebody's half asleep somewhere, they're gonna be they're gonna wet their bed. <laughs> that kid was afraid of the Nazi flag. Just fell to pieces. That music was terrifying. <laughs> So there are a couple of uh, themes that that could be at the center of of this story or two. One of them, once again, terrible, terrible partisan journalism in which knees are jerked and opinions stated with great, great confidence, even when there's practically no evidence in. House Intelligence Committee Republicans released a report on the coronavirus uh, just the other day, pointed the finger directly at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, arguing that there is, and I quote, overwhelming circumstantial evidence supporting the hypothesis that COVID-19 originated in the lab. Officials from both the Trump and Biden administrations have said the Chinese government worked for over a year to thwart an independent investigation into the origins of the virus. Why would they do that? Both administrations cast doubt on the manner in which a joint study from China and the WHO was conducted earlier this year. To take China's word for anything is absurd. And though the WHO China report said a jump from animals to humans was most likely, numerous officials have pointed to an accidental escape from the Wuhan lab as a highly plausible or even the most likely uh, origin for the pandemic. Um, and there are a number of uh, supporting facts there. But I was intrigued and surprised the Washington Post, oh, you know what, dang it, I'm sorry, I would meant to ask whether we could get that exchange between Rand Paul and Anthony Fauci that happened on May 11th, in which Rand Paul was essentially saying uh, the NIH, National Institutes for Health, and Dr. Fauci had supported financially uh, gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's where you make a virus deadlier and deadlier. 
through uh, repeated uh, generations of it, so you can study how to defeat it. Yeah, or so you can make a bioweapon. See, that's the problem with that, is you can you can claim that you're, no, we're just trying to make the worst virus possible so that we can study ways to stop them, while at the same time, obviously, being tried to figure out how to make the worst virus that you'd like to unleash in Miami on the weekend before you invade Taiwan. Right. There's no way to, to, to separate the two. Well, and there are a number of bioethicists who think uh, gain-of-function research is too dangerous and shouldn't be done. But, so the WAPO was fact-checking the exchange between Paul and Fauci. And uh, I'll, I'll jump to the end and tell you that, yeah, the National Institutes of Health did indirectly finance this stuff, and, and Fauci was either lying or wrong or, or didn't consider the chain close enough. But the really interesting part of this is the WAPO themselves, right? Last May, the fact-checker video team reported that, quote, the balance of the scientific evidence strongly supports the conclusion that the new coronavirus emerged from nature. That was a year ago. And then they mentioned the WHO in China. But last week, a group of 18 preeminent scientists published a letter in the journal Science saying a new investigation is needed because, quote, theories of accidental release from a lab and zoonotic spillover both remain viable. They start with the facts where they describe game-of-function game research and how it's controversial. Um, in a 2011 opinion article in the Post, Fauci himself with two co-authors noted the question is whether benefits of such research outweigh the risks. The answer is not simple. Then I'm, they not, point- I'm not sure it does since it's so easy for a bad cunt country to just be working on the worst weapon uh, bioweapon that's ever been developed and claim they're trying to do good. I just Although I'm you can't sure. stop them anyway. I'm not sure you should be co-financing uh, it. It's a good point. You can't stop them. They yeah. could be doing it at a lab underground somewhere we don't know about, right? But here's where it gets really interesting. And this this should have, if you have the least intelligence and intellectual integrity, this has nothing to do with Trump in either direction or what Trump said or what Trump thought. And, and if your thinking is influenced by that overly, I think you're a fool. But anyway, the WAPO themselves mentioned the WIV, the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, is where one of the world's foremost experts on bat viruses, this Xi Jingli, works. They have a biosafety level four laboratory, the most secure. Although, again, our State Department reported that their standards were shoddy and were not being upheld. But moving along. But some of WIV's more controversial experiments on bat coronaviruses are believed to have been done at a level two lab, where researchers simply wear white lab coats and gloves, as in a dental office. Ian Lipkin of Columbia University's co-authored an influential letter in March 2020 that the coronavirus was, quote, not a laboratory construct or purposely manipulated virus. But there are significant problems with his letter. He leaves out several possibilities. Um, and then, then... The same guy was interviewed by a New York Times reporter and said that the Level 2 lab revelation was significant. Even though there's no direct evidence, he said, and I quote, that's screwed up. It shouldn't have happened. People should not be looking at bat viruses in BSL-2 labs. My view has changed. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it goes on and on and on. The, the, the long story made short is they quote all sorts of leading experts who say lab leak is absolutely a possibility and perhaps the most prominent possibility. Keeping in mind, 
that very idea was censored. It was eliminated by Twitter and Facebook and YouTube as misinformation. It was decried as foolish by every media outlet in America because the Chinese said that didn't happen. And because in February of last year, there was a letter from some uh, scientists who said, no, we don't think that happened. Before anybody knew freaking anything. And it was banned from the Internet to even ask the question. How do you like your censors now? Well, this will be an ongoing story, and I hope smart people can keep an eye on it. Well, China's coverage, uh, I'm sorry, China's cover-up is complete at this point. Uh, I think they have successfully impeded anybody who is actually looking oh, for the truth. Probably, as those, as those scientists were cooling their heels for, what, a couple of months? Well, well it took everything a year up. to get full access. So uh, I want to throw out the text line for the following reason, and then we can discuss it a little bit. There's a record 8.1 million job openings right now. Most job openings we've ever had in the United States. While we have 6% unemployment, millions and millions of people getting money from the government. Um, And NPR, I heard a story this morning where they're continuing to deny there's any possibility that any percentage of it has much to do with people are making more money staying home than they would if they went to take the Starbucks job. That is um, so absurd. It is absurd. But anyway, I want to know, you, be honest about how much money you're getting from the government or, you know, your wife, your brother, your son, your kids, whatever, um, that could give us an idea of how much money you could be getting right now and whether or not that would be enough to keep you from taking the job at Walmart, Starbucks, McDonald's, any of these places that are just dying to hire people that used to work there before the pandemic, their people were willing to take those jobs at those wages. That's How funny. I wonder what changed. What changed in one year? Anyway, if you've got any examples, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Finally, according to a new study, dating apps like Bumble, Grinder, and Tinder are in the top 15% of battery-draining apps on smartphones. Even more draining, the people you meet on them. <laughs> yeah, we are going to do that story at some point. Uh, yeah, I got the most draining texts for your battery. I probably should get to that. Apps? Apps, I'm sorry. What did I say? Text, because you're looking at text. That's interesting how the, how brain, the brain works. Interesting how When the it works, works at all. Especially mine. Yeah, I'll find that. I've got a uh, very stressful Zoom lawyer meeting I have to do today, and my mind is uh, elsewhere. I think you could be uh, excused for that. Yeah, maybe someday I'll be able to explain what's going on there. Um, I've been trying to nail down how much some of you are making from various government, uh, I want to say handout, but I don't want to be that pejorative about, um, I don't want to be pejorative either way. What, I don't know. Government, yeah, I don't government know. money. Program. Um, assistance. Yeah. Assistance. Yeah, yeah, that's a assistance. fine word. Perfectly good word right it's there. It's not a handout. It's a hand up. How, how much money you all are making from government assistance? Because I find it impossible to believe that there's not a decent chunk of people that are not taking a job at Walmart, McDonald's, or Starbucks, for instance, uh, because they're making as much or more without working and they think you know I'm going to I'm going to either enjoy not working 
or I'm going to sharpen my resume and try for a better job, or or whatever. Or I'm just going to lay around and smoke pot in all our possibilities. The, cr- and- the crowd that's pretending that that's not anybody, like NPR has done several stories, including today I heard as I was driving to work, where it's just, oh, well, that's a Republican talking point, the idea that anyone would not take a job because they were getting money from the government. That What, what, is, what, you, what is your experience with human beings? By the way, the code... The code uh, Republican talking point actually means I have no counter argument. So I'm going to try to dismiss it by labeling it. You see that all the time, especially in the liberal lemming media. Anyway, so if we, for instance, we got this, this text. My son and his girlfriend lost their decent jobs when the company they worked for moved out of California during COVID. They both received the max plus an additional $2,400 each back then. They both were making over 4000 each, 8000 from the government. Um, if you if you had a uh, an actual career going and was making and were making decent money, I I I don't believe that there's anybody getting more from the government that would keep them from wanting to go back to their job for all kinds of different reasons, whether it's the money or losing your place and you're climbing up the ladder or whatever. But mm-hmm. but if I was working at McDonald's and and I'm getting enough money from the government that it kind of matches what I was making from McDonald's, why would I be in a hurry to go back to McDonald's? I mean, it's not going to slow down right. my career any. No, no, it won't. And the the absurdity of the New York Times NPR position, and where, where else did I see that argued? Uh, can't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the New York the Times, their big article was the myth of the job shortage. The labor shortage, and yeah. The labor shortage, and just dismissing the idea out of hand. But it's, it's so incredibly absurd, the idea that if you pay somebody money to do something, you won't get more of it? If you pay them to stay home, you won't get more of it. How can that conceivably be? I, I mean, it's almost it's almost so crazy. It's like when Kim Jong Il uh, claimed to have made eighteen consecutive holes in one. If anybody dares question it, you know they're not in the tribe. But it's an absurd claim. I gotta believe that a lot of the job I'm seeing help wanted signs everywhere. But I gotta believe a lot of these jobs pretty much suck. And yeah, a lot of them do. And I've done a lot of sucky jobs. A lot of low-wage, entry-level jobs are sucky. You don't enjoy it. You don't really Maybe enjoy, enjoy your coworkers on some level. Like your but coworkers, no, you might get the no. dignity of you know earning a living as opposed to somebody handing it to you. But You uh, might like some of your coworkers. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah and dignity is overrated. Yeah, please. <laughs> I traded mine in for, for this years and years ago. One thing that's never discussed, too, is that time, well, you could say time is money. Your time has value. And the time you have because you're not working has value to you. It has value to everybody. And if the government money comes close to what you're making, plus add to that the value of having all that free time, maybe it's monetary value, maybe it's just relaxing, then absolutely it's an incentive to not work. How could it conceivably not be? New poll on how people feel when they hear the national anthem that runs counter to a lot of narratives you've heard, among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. 
I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray, and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday. I'm We'll have to get more into this later because I don't want to wear you out with this. But here's one text we just got. My oldest kid, 26 years old, is pulling in 4K a month after he'd been laid off as a trimmer at an indoor weed plantation, which just sounds like one of those jobs like I had when I was young that is, you know, you dread going to work every day. You lay in bed Sunday night thinking, I don't know if I can do this again this week. I've had lots of jobs like that. Although I, I'll bet he gets all the pot he can smoke. <laughs> I've had lots of jobs where you lay in bed on a Sunday night and think, I just don't know if I can do this for another week. Yeah. Now, if I've got one of those jobs and I'm getting $4,000 a month, no freaking way. I'm going back to it until I have to. And he uh, told his dad he's not going to go back until they stop his unemployment payments in September. That'll right. be a year and nine months on COVID pay. A year right. and nine months. So to deny, I don't know what percentage of it is. I'm not claiming it's all of the reason we have the most job openings in the history of the country. But it's a chunk of them. It's a chunk of them. And the idea that it's not a factor is absurd to the point of bizarre. 
And as I made the point earlier, you you get all that free time. That has value. You get relief from the stress and effort of your job. That has value. So the unemployment benefits alone might not tip the scales, but those other factors absolutely do. And those disappear as soon as the uh, extra unemployment money goes. Sure. Well, we'll talk more about that later, um, including uh, one of the popular... As we descend into socialism? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we will. But later today... Um, oh, and I need to talk more about uh, the the. I, so I, I I go around challenging other people's kids to foot races. Apparently, that's it's my perfectly thing. Perfectly normal. Yep. And our executive producer Hanson, uh, his son, I plan to race him. I actually had a conversation with his son last night about how long the race is going to be, and I wasn't wearing the proper footwear, or he was ready to race right there. But I was wearing cowboy boot, cowboy boots, mm. and I know that he is too fast for me to be, defeat him in cowboy boots. I'm not sure I can defeat him if I wear Usain Bolt's running shoes. but I'm pretty sure this ends with a hospitalization, but it'll be exciting I to, know, I to my, see. I race my kids all the time. My uh, my son's older, and he's one okay. of the fastest kids in his school. All right. but uh, Sorry for my lack of faith in your uh, agility. <laughs> Ability to outrun children. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> sorry, sorry for looking askance at your efforts to outrun Elementary school children, not even that, like not only like a junior high kids or high school kids. No, elementary school kids. Right. My words must have been hurtful, and I regret them. <laughs> you take them over to the tetherball pole afterwards, too, and teach them a lesson there? Yeah. Show them what's up. <laughs> Here's your... what time it is. Bam! That stings, doesn't it? That's right. <laughs> Whoever they say you are, I am! That's what I say to nine-year-olds. Every time you beat them. Every time I beat them. <laughs> nice. So over the years, I, I remember the first time we ever talked about this. I don't know how many how many years ago could it have been, Gladys? Gladys. Gladys is getting some of the stimmy money, and she's kind of like, I'm not yeah. sure I want to come in. She didn't come in Tuesday. Do the stimmy dance, Gladys. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the stimmy dance. But I remember the first time this ever came up, and I was shocked. Uh, this was many years ago, finding out that... Uh, Particularly black people don't stand for the national anthem and, 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 you know, and don't like it, find it offensive. And that was news to me. I didn't know anybody was offended by the national anthem. Um, and we got on the conversation and took all kinds of phone calls. It was that long ago and that sort of thing. But, uh, so that topic has come up multiple times over the year. And then, you know, since the national anthem has become a whole different thing with Colin Kaepernick kneeling and some sports deciding to get rid of it and blah 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 blah. the whole are you kneeling are you not kneeling if you're not kneeling are you a racist blah 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 so finally a poll on this from the washington post that i think it's pretty interesting fewer than four in ten black americans say the national anthem makes them uh well they 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 worded their headline in reverse of what i think it should be the number of people that have a negative opinion about the national anthem is pretty damn low among black people, it's the highest, but nobody else does it crack 8%. So eight? Eight. Eight Dang. percent that have a negative view of the national anthem. You can find 8% of Americans who eat their own socks. You certainly, 8% is nobody. It's the lunatic fringe. Don't eat your own socks, well, there, people. There are ne- are you to tell me how to eat hey, I'm socks? A, I look at YouTube and social media. There's 8% of people that think a cute little kid on their birthday is... They have a negative reaction to that. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You so, call that a birthday party? You suck. So I thought this was interesting. Overall adults in America, 71% positive feeling when they hear the national anthem. That would be me. 22% flat. Eh, neither negative or positive. It has no effect on me whatsoever. You're an interesting wow. crowd. And then 6% negative for all adults. Only 6% 
but people overall in America have a bad feeling about the national anthem when they hear it. Yeah. If you want wow. to break it down by races, uh, again, the among black people, it's the highest negatives at 22%. So one out of five have a, a negative reaction to the national anthem if it's being played or sung at a sporting event. But that's uh, the smallest well, Just number. one out of five. 35% of black people have a positive reaction to it. 42%, eh, whatever. It has no effect on me whatsoever. Um, I'm not sure that that's the view you would get from following this in the media. Oh, no, not at all. I'm, in fact, I'm curious. What was the New York Times headline? Uh, Washington Post. Oh, yeah. fewer than four in ten black Americans say the national anthem makes them feel positive. Going with the the most negative headline you could come up with out of this story. Why does liberal America want a race war? I don't know. I th- well, it's the whole reaping the whirlwind thing that. People don't quite understand. They think that they can whip up a race war, I guess, and then, you know, kind of manage it. It won't get too out of control. Exactly. Don't worry. I'll say sit, and the dogs of war will sit. It won't last for generations with many people killed, and it becomes a completely different country. Yeah, if we start a race war. Nah, that won't happen. Yeah. It'll be productive. Um, You want it broken down by other groups? How about Hispanics? That's the fastest growing minority in the country, right? Only 8% of Hispanics have a negative view of the national anthem when it's played at a sporting event. 67% positive. I'm sure. And and why not? Asian, almost exactly the same numbers. Only 6% negative. Two-thirds positive when they hear the national anthem. For white people, it's 80% positive, only 3% negative. And then again, if you look at all adults, 71% positive, the vast majority of us, 22% have no reaction whatsoever. I don't quite understand that, I guess. but Yeah, I think that's a way to say neutral, maybe. Um, uh, maybe slightly conflicted, but I don't want to say negative uh, after the whole Colin Kaepernick flap. I'm but just overall, guessing. only 6% have negative. And like, I can name 10 people that I know that at least claim they have a negative reaction to the national anthem and the U.S. flag and that sort of stuff. Hmm. Is it just because of where I live? Or no, some of these people don't live around me. So, you know, you you hang around weirdos. You hear from the college girl crowd and, you know, that, you know, just certain crowds that it seems like everybody agrees. But but based on this polling, no. It's a very small number. I was at the Tampa Bay Rays game. Was it last weekend or the weekend? I guess the uh, weekend prior. Um, and uh, I was uh, on my way back to the seat with my waffle cone full of coconut shrimp. There you go. And my sweet tea because I was in the South. And uh, and the national anthem started. That's and a pretty sugary little meal you got there. Sweet bam! tea and a waffle cone. Full of coconut shrimp. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and the anthem came on. Which, which every- is a vegetable in that scenario. No, I'm at the freaking ballpark. I don't think they have vegetables. Vegetables. I assume you had. Be- I assume you had a beer. Are hops vegetables, or is that it's just a grain? No, I did not have a beer. I had a sweet tea, as I said. It was a it was a day game, and I don't I don't drink in the you daytime. You don't day drink. Almost never. What kind of a rule is that? Almost never. There's Almost. nothing better than. I wish we had the country song "Day Drinking." Day drinking is the best drinking. No, no, no. You know what song me, my kids not. really like is "Drunk on a Plane." Have you ever heard that song? <laughs> we should get that on the air more often. That's a good song. I've been I'm getting drunk on a plane. Right. <laughs> and if the airways just tells me I've had too many, I'm going to go up front and take it right off the cart. And it ends with him passed out in the baggage claim. That's a good tune. Anyway, I- back to you. 
As I've often said, Jack, I'm good at two things, not drinking and drinking. And if I'm doing one, I'm not doing the other. Mm. And so if I start, then I'm drinking. So I'd prefer not to start generally. Anyway, uh, where were we? We were discussing. Oh, so uh, there I was with my waffle cone full of shrimp and my sweet tea. Anthem comes on. Everybody, everybody stops, puts their hand on their heart and tries to find the flag on TV or wherever it was. And and we listened to the anthem. A few sang along. I sang a bit myself. I have a lovely singing voice. And uh, then we went about our business. But it, it gratified me. It made me mm. feel happy and patriotic. And it was nice. And it was uh, folks of every description, every Nash, uh, ethnicity and the rest of it. So. I was day drinking at a Kansas City Royals baseball game one time. And at some point during the game, I got very tired. I must have been up late the night before and mm. uh, took a bit of a nap and got quite sunburned. <laughs> you poor dear, you're so tired. You I was fell asleep. very sleepy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somebody must have slipped something in that sixth beer. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. It, it really is. You really need to be more careful. <laughs> Getting drunk on the flame. That's right. That's right. Getting drunk on a plane. Um, day drinking. The country music's the drinkingest music of all. Oh, there's clearly. no doubt about it. Clearly, what's the pot smokingest music? It's country, probably pretty. Easy. Country music mentions it a lot. Now. Wait a minute, does hip hop want some of this? Positive, Sean. I think hip hop and reggae have lapped the field in most. For things other played yeah. on the radio. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. How about well, rock? Come on, I could point out all sorts of songs that are about pot. They're a little veiled, particularly in hip hop. There's a, probably many times they reference it that you're not aware that that's what they're referencing could be. as well. Yeah, could be. Yeah, they do that a lot in the country songs. They never say they're smoking pot, but they're, they're, they're talking about smoking. They don't mean camel whites. Yeah, right, right. It's perverse. I call a radio station every time I hear one of those obscene songs, <laughs> and I register my unhappiness. Um. So we, we should probably hit this just because we we're on the topic. The the left making a big deal out of the magical trick that solves the labor shortage, which I think is a ridiculous, defies economics 101 solution to the problem. But we can discuss that coming up. Anybody else? How much money are you making off of the stimmy checks? And we mentioned this guy who's 26-year-old is making $4,000 a month and not going back to his tr- trimmer job. Speaking of pot. Yeah. Um, a text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I got a, a. I've had a bunch of Zoom meetings this week. I, I hate the way I look in Zoom meetings. If I, if I use my computer, I look okay. On my phone, I look terrible. There's something about the camera on my phone. Just oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. It's hard to get the lighting right and everything. You know, and I, 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 I suppose. I got, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I got an idea. What do we do? What we were thinking of doing this segment, next segment, so we have plenty of time to talk about it. Okay. After each clip. Um, because I, th- I just think it's such a good topic. We want to stretch out, and we're up against a hard break no problem. in a couple of minutes. Here, here's your headline that ought to be terrifying of the day. China resisting nuclear talks, U.S. Ambassador says. The U.S. Disarmament Ambassador, who knew we had one? Sounds like good work if you can get it. 
said that China is resisting nuclear talks uh, just the other day. Quote, despite the PRC's dramatic buildup of its nuclear arsenal, ultimately it continues to resist discussing nuclear risk reduction bilaterally with the United States. To date, Beijing has not been willing to engage meaningfully or establish expert discussions similar to those we have with Russia. We sincerely hope that will change. So those keeping track, China has no interest in coming to any sort of agreement about uh, limiting nuclear, the potential for a nuclear holocaust. That's just cheery. Well, she, he, um, you know, he decided, okay, it's go Please time. Please don't use gendered language well, that's... when discussing the Chinese premier. That's... She, he said, he said, what, what, what is this? I don't mean he or she. I mean she or she or however you pronounce the president of China, who's the dictator. Um, he decided, you know, it's over. We, uh, we pretended long enough. That we're going to go along to get along to be part of the world, the community, or whatever. Now, no longer interested in pretending at all. Right. We're a hostile empire. Okay. Yeah. What are you going to do How about it? Not Too late. That. Too late. Nothing you can do about it. So, good luck with that. That's what he's saying. And then a note from the world's That's worst what she lawyer. said. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Fantastic, sir. <laughs> so good one, sir. Yes. So the lawyer for the uh, Chewbacca guy, the QAnon Chewbacca guy, who was there in the Capitol. Chewbacca guy, the QAnon shaman. The he yeah, had the, the the wolf head thing, shirtless, stood was that with the horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, the big hump, like that guy. Okay, it was like a buffalo head, wasn't it? Or anyway, he had a big old thing on him. <laughs> anyway, his lawyer did a. <clears throat> did an interview on a podcast the other day and is uh, the headline in, in Vanity Fair, and I usually hate Vanity Fair, but Capital Riot Attorney manages to insult at least three different groups while defending one six actions. Here is the quote. In an interview with Talking Points Memo, uh, Chewbacca Guy's lawyer, Albert Watkins, suggested that his client's mental state, combined with the impact of Donald Trump's propaganda efforts to convince people the election was stolen, etc., will play a part in his defense, all of which sounds reasonable. Then Watkins said this, and I wish I could read it verbatim. Um... There's an F-bomb in there, so obviously I'm not going to say that. And there are a couple of other terms I never, ever use, personally. But I want you to hear what this guy said. He's talking, well, he says what he's talking about. A lot of these defendants, and I'm going to use this colloquial term, perhaps disrespectful, disrespectfully, but they're all effing short bus people. These are people with brain damage. They're effing retarded. They're on the GD spectrum. Hmm. I don't like most of those terms, but... There's a lot to unpack here, but let's pause to appreciate that Watkins thinks it might be offensive to use the phrase short bus, but he can't really be sure. The Missouri-based lawyer then goes on to conflate intellectual disabilities, brain damage, and autism, which, of course, are three separate things, to say nothing of the fact that there's no evidence that any of them caused people to act violently, etc., etc., A lot of these defendants, and I'm going to use this colloquial term, perhaps disrespectfully, but they're all effing short bus people. These are people with brain damage. They're effing retarded. They're on the GD spectrum. (laughs) Thanks. Now, I heard Tucker say last night, and I assume this is true. I haven't looked into it. um, While it's regularly referred to as an insurrection by uh, Democrats... And I'm not a pro what happened on January 6th. I think it was a very big deal, so I'm not downplaying it all. I think it was a very big deal. But um, 
It's regularly referred to as an insurrection by, for instance, Schumer and others. Sure. But nobody's been charged with insurrection yet. No. So if nobody's been charged, even charged with insurrection, I'm not sure it's an insurrection. Well, people yelling yay and walking through the people's house is not an insurrection. Now, there are some violent lunatics. There were some organized people there. They had bizarre ideas. But mostly the weight of the crowd was just kind of dumb. Yeah, but the ones that weren't were very, very scary. And I'm all for figuring out. Charge them up. I'd like to know who the hell they were and what they're planning next. Uh, but I don't f- think they were probably blanking, retarded, or on the uh, short bus. The guy with the horns, I could believe he's uh He's not a genius. Right. I could believe that. He, he His grasp of reality is somewhat uh, haphazard. Not so good. My concern is that some of the people that showed up there and had, you know, planned formations on how to get through and everything like that are pretty sharp and uh, could have other plans. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, well, they're keeping an eye on those folks, too. Um, so the, the reason I brought up the zoom meeting, um, I've, I've had a lot of them this week and I got one today and I don't like the way I look on, I like the way I look at my computer fine, but not on my phone. Anyway, a lot of people are bothered by the way they look on zoom and it's caused like a, a problem with the way people see themselves. People are getting surgery or, or, or doing all kinds of things to try to uh, better their appearance on zoom. We've, we're, we're seeing how others see ourselves more than we ever have for a lot right. of us. Yeah, and I don't like it. Even though you have a mirror, it's just it's a combination of different angles and different lighting and everything like that. And Can you use an avatar on Zoom? Like I got the emoji me that uh, my oh, wife and I use sometimes. Yeah, you, you, can set a, you can set any picture you want. You could put, like, uh, Burt Reynolds when he was posing for Playgirl up there if you want. <laughs> That'd make you a bit of a weirdo. Well, wait a moment. I was just using that as, for, for an instance. Can you sh- come over to my place and show me how to do that, Sean, and just... <laughs> If you promise you don't ever the at any point thing? call yeah, no me problem. Grandpa. No, the emoji, you idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, but you're getting Burt Reynolds. You want to look like Burt Reynolds in Playgirl from 1975. <laughs> well, I, I want to look avatar. like that. I don't want that as my avatar. Those are two different questions. <laughs> Hilarious. We'll explain that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.